Taking action is the first step to change. The Shiv Show, an irregular podcast in a regular world. Introducing your host, Shiv Rad. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show, episode two of the Sales Series podcast. Now, this topic is definitely one of my favorites. It's because nobody likes to talk about it. It is losing. I'm obsessed with talking about losing because that's the only way I learn. Now, people shy away from this because it's just uncomfortable. Nobody really likes to lose. But if you get to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you learn a lot from it. It's the best lessons you're ever given. Whether you're in sales or HR or marketing or in the science industry, losing is absolutely necessary. Now, Michael Jordan, one of the greatest ever said, I failed over and over and over again, and that is why I succeed. Now, in this episode, I don't get to sit down with Michael Jordan, but I do get to sit down with someone just as cool, and that is Dominic Garfi, one of my good buddies, a great leader, and a great salesperson. Now, in this episode, we discuss how to deal with painful sales losses. So without further ado, here is episode two of The Shiv Show, the sales series podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show, the sales edition. Dom. Welcome to the Shift Show, man. We've been chatting about this for two years, and we've finally done it. So, yeah, uh, nah, thank you very much for finally having me on, man. I know it's it's been one of those cases of, you know, sort of two ships passing in the night a little bit, of, uh, <laughs> but finally our agendas have aligned that we've been able to to tee this up. So I'm really excited to to be on the show. And hello to your listeners. Absolutely, awesome, man. And and listen, why don't you just jump in and, and give us a you know a, a one minute spiel about who Dom is. Okay, cool. So um, Dom Garfi, I'm the current state manager for an IT services company called Ethan Group um, in Victoria. Uh, I've been in sales for the better part of you know 15 years, um, but mostly you know, sort of my, my, my corporate sales experiences has been in the past sort of 12 years, ranging from you know selling utility services through to where I am now, which is you know, selling IT, IT managed services and IT outsourcing through to, you know, some of Australia's you know, largest corporate and enterprise customers. So it's, it's, it's been a fantastic journey. I've got some, a lot of, a lot of life lessons that I can share in, in, in quite a fairly young package. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, even sort of sharing my experiences is, is something that I've done in the past as well. So, uh, myself and a, a counterpart at, uh, at a, at a telco, yeah, we, we had a similar sort of idea as, as yourself to, to set up a podcast and, and share our knowledge and and that went really really well we did two seasons of, of, a, of a show called coffee next tuesday and we got great feedback on that as well so um yeah it's 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 one of those things where sharing knowledge and and having insight and conversation is, is something that I'm, that I'm quite passionate about well two things uh you forgot to mention that you've you've got amazing hair because that's uh that's worth mentioning for sure yeah <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think it's laziness, mate. I, I think actually, for, for for someone who's grown up with a father that is a, a hairdresser, I, I've got incredibly long hair and I can't be bothered getting it. Cut. But it's um, with with two kids um, and all the things that come along with that, it's starting to get a bit grey. So I've always yeah, said that I'm okay. I'm okay for my hair to go grey. I just don't want it to fall out. So this <laughs> might just be me making sure it doesn't fall out. Same here, man. Same here. And and number two, I'm waiting for a coffee next Tuesday to to ramp back up again. Yeah, it, look, it is. It's one of those things like like this sort of conversation. Now it's taken some time to get back started. So so Talton and I, who who used to do it together, um, he recently got a promotion as well as as did I, and and just it just became you know almost 
keep continue it. But uh, he and I have got a catch up happening next week, and I'm sure it'll be one of the things that we that we do talk about that that uh, we need to get it we need to get it back up and running again. Absolutely, absolutely. So Dom, let, let's jump into it. And and obviously, you know, you and I have done business before, and I think you're you're great in sales, and not only sales, you're you're a great leader as well. And and this podcast is based on on sales and leadership. And the reason I wanted to do something like this is because I think sales has such a negative connotation attached to it in the public. You think mm-hmm. sales, you think car salesmen, insurance salesmen, or door-to-door. Nothing's wrong with that, but people see that and they see the grind and it kind of turns them away. Yeah. My hope for this podcast and these episodes and this series is to shine a bit of a brighter light on, on sales, but also be very real because there's a lot of emotions that go into it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and look. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, keep going, keep going. I'm just saying the, the topic of the conversation today is how to deal with painful losses from a sales perspective. And I think this is a brilliant topic. I'll probably let you go into it and why you've chosen it. But what I do want you to talk about, it, especially are the emotions and even the loss of confidence that someone can deal with when they've lost a sale. Yeah. Uh, look, it's when you asked me to be on the show, when you said for me to, to, you know, to sort of come up with a topic, it was, you know, this one of dealing with loss was something that was quite raw and, and, and sort of front of mind to me. And it was something that as salespeople, we have to deal with. And it, the reality of the situation is, is we have to deal with failure far more than we get to deal with success. Absolutely. And um, being a, like, you know, when you can, you can, you know, you're an astute you know, intellect and you read and as do I and, you know, all of the all of the coaches and all of the influencers can tell you to, you know, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and, and you just keep on going and, you know, every no is just one step closer to a yes and all those sorts of things that you can pin up on a, on a pin board and, and look at every day as, as positive influences. But the reality is, is that there is an emotional toll when you're truly invested in something like a sale, when and the sorts of deals that you and I do, man, they're not transactional, right? They're not. We're not talking about you know selling, um, you know, c- c- um, uh, commodity type items. These are multi-million-dollar investments that we need to take customers on journeys to build trust and credibility and really be that you know trusted advisor and consultant for them. And when you get to the other end of that tunnel, for them to either um, you know, pull a project because, you know, market circumstances um, dictate that they, they, they can't make that investment or, you know, you just simply get beaten by the competition because, you know, they had a better better solution or they were better engaged or, you know, us IT service guys and, and telcos out there know the, you know, the infamous, you know, big T pulling out the checkbook and, and buying business when it when it so suits them, it can it can really like damage a sales guy's confidence and girl's confidence. Like you can just feel inadequate. You can feel like you are a failure. You can feel you can let the you know because we've got targets on our head and those targets are, are, are tied to remuneration and you know you can really feel like you've let yourself down and and your employer down by 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 wearing that loss. And it's it's one of the things that we need to be be mindful of and I think if you can if you can plan for it if you can plan for that loss um, you can also mentally prepare yourself for it better as well so if um, absolutely and, and I'm just going to bring this up just remembering you and I actually had a conversation about a year ago mm-hmm. I think it was at, at, a, at a conference now we talked about 
there being maybe a level and it maybe I can think of another word, but a level of depression in sales because it's such a such a roller coaster. The one yeah. minute you're a high, you're on a high where this customer is going to sign with you. The next minute you're told, actually, we're pushing this project for another six months, and you're back to the low again. How do you deal with this roller coaster? Yeah, look, it's it's. I mean, it's it's it comes with a high performance culture, and if you look at sporting clubs and the amount of investment that they're they're now making into into the psychology of of high performance and and being able to deal with the pressures, and I think you know being able, I think sporting and particularly AFL in Australia is being at the forefront of of making this a an issue. Particularly men um, can can speak about openly. Um, is is a positive because yeah, like a form of depression. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't want to speak to, to diet trying to diagnose it. But yeah, you can certainly find yourself in these massive like slums and emotional. Just I don't, not necessarily. I don't want to get out of bed in the morning, but that having to gear yourself back up again to uh, you know feeling like you're having to climb Mount Everest. It it's it is a massive challenge and. Um, I know you and I have spoken about this before, but having those mentors and coaches around you, people that you trust, and it could be it could be a loved one, it could be a friend, it could be a boss, it could be you know a former boss, um, yeah, it could even just be you know uh, you know Shiv, you know when you when you tune into his podcast and you, you feel like you've got that person that's on that level with you, you need to have that outlet where you can where you can kind of get feedback and speak you know, open and honestly about your emotions or else, yeah, it can really take its toll. Absolutely. And you're right. And, and you know, I've had people actually tell me this. So I've been, I've been in the IT industry for, for 10 years, sales and probably 10, 10 years. And I have had people tell me when they listen to some of the other podcast episodes based on sales, they say the same thing. They can, they can really relate. And that's the reason why I wanted to do this series, because you said something at the very beginning. We, we, all, we all have failures sometimes more often than wins. And it's totally perfect and totally normal to have it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it just doesn't seem that way in being in such a you know, crazy and a fast-paced uh, industry. Right? Yeah. It, just, it just doesn't seem normal, although it, it is very normal. Yeah. And look, it's one of those things where, like, so there's a couple of points I want to make here because I, I think they're really, really important, right? So there's a saying that, said, that goes along the lines of, Plan for the worst and and hope for the best, right? And and that you cannot, I cannot stress how important that is. So in in our role where we're doing, you know, we're dealing with complex moving parts and you know multiple stakeholders that are all going to be influencing a decision. Mm-hmm. You, you you really need to be looking towards well, what if that doesn't happen? And what if that doesn't go my way? And what happens if that doesn't you know that doesn't eventuate the way I believe it will eventuate? So therefore, you're planning for all the possible negative scenarios. Well, you're planning. Your you have plan A to Z. Correct, and therefore you are mitigating those those chances, and you're 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 mentally preparing yourselves for those chances. Um, and there is um, this notion that well, if all goes well, and you know we've all had those infamous bluebirds, right, that just land in your lap, and you got that email, and the guy had to turn it around very very quickly, and you didn't have time to go out to market, and you were just a you know the right place at the right time, right? Those, those are. They're called bluebirds for a reason. They don't happen right. all the time. They might happen once in your career. But <laughs> yeah. the reality is, is that unless you're preparing yourself for those worst possible outcomes, you're never that you're never going to be able to, you know, you're never going to be putting yourself in the best possible position to be able to get, you know, to get the, the, the really good ones, right? So 
Um, and the other thing as well is is around ownership and making sure that you know. So so Jocko Willink is someone. Uh, are, are you familiar with Jocko? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, like guys and listeners and girls, listeners, if you do not know who Jocko Willink is, get onto him. He's got Check three. Yeah, he's got three amazing books. Um, I'm just finishing off um, his 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 most recent one around leadership at the moment. Um, read it. The one that you need to start off with is extreme ownership, right? It, it is paramount to what I believe is it what a successful salesperson looks like, and not being pointing blame or not. You know, you you have to own every part of the sales process. If you are not, if you are hoping for the best, or you, if you are preparing for the best and hoping for the best, and uh, and making and 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 hoping things go your way, you are not taking ownership of of your deals, and therefore you are exposing yourself to the chance of dealing with loss far greater in far far more often than what you will be with success. Absolutely, and you just brought up a really good point, and and I, I call them blame throwers. Now, there's a lot out there, right? There's a lot that that just won't take ownership. So, talk to me about you know how you deal with maybe blame throwers on on your team, or how you did deal with them. Um, and, and what you think the customer sees from their eyes. Yeah. So, I mean, look, the most recent example I have, and it just so happened that, you know, you know, extreme ownership and, and having that book fresh in my mind is, is always, is kind of, is, is, is always at the forefront of my thinking. And so I deal, I dealt with like right now, I've, I've had a customer for, for about three years now who I'm incredibly invested in and, and um, they, they went out to market and we were unsuccessful. We we missed the boat, and it, and it would have been it would have been easy. For, and, I'm not, and I'm not talking about like hundred or thousand dollar opportunity. I'm talking about multi million dollar, you know, five year type type you know arrangements. It, it would have been easy for me to to point clear deficiencies of the team and circumstances that let it down, but that's not what the reality was when I started to pull it apart. So I actually did a loss, a proper loss review of, of that deal. And what was clear was that I was, I was hoping for the best and I was not preparing for the worst. I thought I had every single possible outcome covered, but in reality I had only one or two and I wasn't, I wasn't looking far enough ahead and I wasn't elevating myself and getting myself, you know, invested to the point where I needed to be that warranted because of the size, right? Like, you know, if we're talking about a hundred or thousand dollar opportunity in my world, it's, it, it, it is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of, I don't want to discount that. But in the grand scheme of things in IT, that's not, a, that's not a big spend, right? When you start talking about multi-million dollar contracts, you need to allocate proportionate amount of your time to that. And it was clear to me that I had not done that. So I think, Having that extreme ownership, I put a lot of the blame. I put all of the blame on myself. You know, I didn't articulate to my team well enough around what I needed them to do. And when they did do it, and if I didn't feel it was good enough, I didn't pull them pull them up on it. Mm-hmm. And 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 just those areas of you know, it would have been easy for me to say, oh, you know, oh, this happened, and oh, you know, the big T, they, you know, they they just bought the business. That would have been easy for me to do. Um, but the reality was that 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 wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. But. Two things, right? I mean, I think I think this is what makes you a great leader. I think I think ownership makes you a good leader and is an amazing leadership trait. Right? Definitely. And number two, the customer probably sees this as 
That's fine. I mean, maybe you have a great relationship with the customer that later on they can give you a bump. Mm. But especially transparency, and I think transparency is so important in the sales cycle that the customer can probably see that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, with, with, with sales, we all have deadlines and timelines that we need to meet. Mm. How do you deal with patience when it comes to customers? Oh. <laughs> the golden question. Yeah. I mean, look. The reality is I had to come to terms quite early in my career that the most important thing in the world for you is not the most important thing in the world for the customer. Correct. And you look at, you know, these, these, our customers are uh, everyday people as well. You know, they have children, they have wives, they have husbands, they have partners, they have, you know, they have their everyday life. They have the politics, the same way you and I have politics in, in our employment, they've got the same politics that they're fighting internally in their own and you know i think you know dealing with the customer's timeline and not putting yourself in a position where you are you know you you feel like you're begging <laughs> to to get to that to get to that outcome and understanding that they've got their lives that they need to they need to live as well is is important but i think for you know a piece of advice i, I could give anyone that would you know would be starting out in this in this process is is if if you're working on one deal well, then your 100% of your focus is going to be on that one deal. And when it comes time for you to hand over the, your proposal or your quote or whatever it might be to that client, the power is now out of your hands. The ball is in their court, right? And if your 100% of your focus has nowhere else to go, then you are going to feel like that time that you're waiting is going to become exponentially longer. It's like waiting for a pot of water to boil. It's going to take forever, right? But if you have multiple deals and you are allocating 100% of your time or your sole focus at any one deal at any one time, and then you can shift that focus once you hand the ball over and you put it over into their court, then suddenly that timeline can, can suddenly feel a lot shorter and you can feel like you are – you know, you're in a position of control because you've got, um, you know, you're, you're delivering on the outcomes that you need to deliver as a salesperson, but you're also not feeling like you are waiting for that phone call every, and every time your phone rings, you get a, you know, heart palpitation, right? So that would be my <laughs> suggestion is to, to get, to, you know, diversify yourself to make sure you've got multiple things happening at any one time. So therefore, when you do have to deal with the customer's timeline, you don't feel like you're waiting, you know, you're waiting for a, a pot of water to boil by staring at it. Yeah, it's the old lesson of not putting all your eggs in one basket, right? Yeah. You have yeah, to exactly. have multiple things going on. And, and look, and, and also, I mean, you know, go back to the point of what we're trying to talk about here. It can help you with the losses as well. Yeah, correct. If, you've, if you're working on five $1 million opportunities, that's a much better situation to be dealing with than one $5 million opportunity. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You, if you win, because the reality is, you know, you win one in, you know, you win one in three. So you might win two of the five. That's two million as opposed to, you know, potentially losing 100% of the five. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're, I mean, it's it's cliche and it sounds so basic and simple, but it can certainly help. Uh, can certainly help with dealing with those uh, those losses and feeling like you're inadequate. Definitely, and you brought up a good point earlier about customers having wives, husbands, kids. Customers are humans, and I think and there's a great book called "To Sell Is Human" by Daniel H. Pink. Amazing, by the way, if you haven't read it. Yeah. And, um, he talks about how to influence people, and essentially, it's it's just bringing back that 
everybody's a human being and everybody has to do some good. And I think that's something we tend to forget. We just think sometimes we're treated as robots. So we treat everyone else as robots. But you, know, <laughs> you bring back the human element and essentially it just, again, it goes back to transparency. It goes back to honesty. Yeah. I think that's, again, two key attributes for leadership and sales. Yeah. I um, I'll, I'll dig it up for you and I'll and I'll send you the exact details, but I can't I can't quite remember. Oh yeah, it was Malcolm Gladwell's book um, um, about outliers, where he talks about um, unique you know unique individuals that have outperformed you know what would be deemed as being the overall global average. Yeah, and he speaks about um, a car salesman who like I think it was with General Motors, he outsold every single salesperson for decade upon decade and like when they drilled down into what this guy actually did which was unique and different it was 100% about understanding his customers were humans and he knew that every time you know they filled in an application form for finance he would take note of when their birthday was and then come that birthday he would send them a birthday card or he knew who the Christians were and he would send them a Christmas card or he would know who the Jewish customers were and he would send them respective cards. So he would he would understand who his customers were from a human, like he wanted to be their friend. That's all he wanted to do. He just wanted to, to ba- build relationships and, and he, he was he was a, an outlier he, because people bought from him because they really, really liked him and it was like buying, buying from a mate. Correct. And when you look at it, you boil it down, that's probably the most simple way to sell. Right, it, simple and strategic, if I may, add. because it's 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 the easiest way when there's that mutual respect between the customer and the seller. Yeah, correct. And you're not just showing them, hey, I'm I'm here to take your money, but there's other things too. Maybe you're just a cool person, and I want to hang out with you. Yeah, and look, <laughs> I just want to wish you a happy birthday, or you know, say have fun, have fun on the weekend golfing with your kids. That's that's normal human behavior. Yeah, and, and the reality is, I mean, it can't be manufactured, right? Like, yeah. And this is and this is where you know the emotional toll and the emotional like dealing with a loss can be really have such great impact on you. Like in my example that I gave, like I was incredibly invested. Like in, like like I felt like I had really good relationships in there. Like relationships where you know you'd ask how their kids are, and you know you you you'd built that relationship over the course of two years, and that that was why it it, it hurt as much as it did. But um, you know, when you're, when you, when you are emotionally invested, you know, you, it, it can't be, if it's artificial, it'll come out that it's artificial. And, you know, those, those conversations won't flow naturally. And, you know, you won't like, like our conversations, like you and I can go a month without talking. And then in a month's time, we could pick up that conversation that we left off and, and feel like we left off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's genuine, like, right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, if you feel like you're having to build a relationship and build trust with the person every single time, well, then, yeah, it's, it's artificial. It's manufactured. It's not real. And and they can see that because we can see that. They're humans. Yeah. They can read right through people, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And, yeah. and look, it's – and in the same token, you're not going to – you're not going to invite – you know, the father that likes being home at four o'clock to be with his kids when they get home from school out for beers on a Friday night. Like you you need to be mindful of who those customers are. You know, he might prefer a breakfast on a, on a, you know, on a Friday morning at eight o'clock because, you know, that's the time he gets to, he gets to work early so he can leave early. Right. And this is going back to tying back to the original point around people, the humans, you know, I get to, I can leave early so I can be home with my kids. I don't like corporate entertainment at night because I want to be home with my kids. 
We're, uh, we're the opposite. No, no kids. So I'm all about the the corporate entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Dom. Go, going back to your your the example with the customer. Now, let let's say you you've lost this deal. There's no chance to win it back. How how do you keep in contact with this customer? And do you, do you think it's smart to keep in contact with the customer? Number one, and number yeah. two, you know, how much time should you leave as a you know a period of of quiet? Yeah. I don't know what the answer to that is, mate. To be perfectly honest, uh, I don't. I don't think there is a single golden, you know, golden nugget I can give you in that regard. But what I can tell you is that you just need to, you need to, you need to do what you think is right. You, the individual, if you know them really, really well, then you should know that, you know, maybe I'll let them let the dust settle and 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 then we re-engage. In my case, I've doubled down. I've gone all in. I've said, okay, you guys are a you know, billion plus dollar organization. You are a well-known brand and in the in not only the global market but the domestic market. And I would argue that yes, although I have lost this battle, I have by no means lost the war. So what else can I talk to you guys about? And I'm not going to let three years of relationship building just get washed away because of a decision that you've chosen to make off the back of me not necessarily performing to my hundred percent capability so um you know it might mean that you know you sit for 12 months and all you're doing is taking them out for coffees and talking about kids and whatnot but i tell you what the next time that rfp comes around i'm sure as hell going to be a lot more prepared than what i was the, you know, the last time. and 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 in all honesty the, the it industry is a small industry everybody talks everybody knows each other and i've seen many salespeople burn bridges and i think Burning bridges is one of the worst things you can do because you can move from company to company. That person's always going to remember Shiv or Dom. They're going to yep. remember you as a person. Yep. Not exactly the company that you, you, you're working for, right? So that's really important, I think, in, uh, in terms of not burning bridges. One million percent, a hundred percent. You are so accurate because the way I think a true telling of a person is how they, how they react when they lose, when they lose. Do they... You know, are they respectful? Are they, you know, just like, you know, I, I, I am by no means a basketballer, but, you know, I, I play basketball on a Sunday and we, you know, you tend, you can get that white line fever when you cross, when you get on, when the, when the game starts. And, but at the end of the day, it's a freaking game. You know, how you conduct yourself as a person afterwards, that game, you shake hands, great game, make sure no one had any injuries. You know, if there was a bump or so, sorry, mate, didn't, didn't mean to. You know, you conduct yourself with respect and dignity. And, and, and you know, the next time you play that, that team, you, you know, they remember you. And, yeah, you, you get the same white line fever and you, you get competitive while the, while the clock's going. But when that stops, that's it. You are, you know, you're, you're just a normal everyday person. And, like, I think from my perspective, like, I would want to think, okay, if I saw this person while I was walking down the street, would I or them want to cross to the other side or would we want to keep walking towards each other and say hello? And and I would want to be keeping walking and to say hello. I wouldn't want to be crossing over to the other side. Absolutely. I love it. Love it. Now, how long would you say you've been in sales? So uh, it's, it's been, it's been long enough for me to forget how long it's been, but um, <laughs> no, I would say, I would say that my actual corporate IT sales career has been, around the 11 to 12 year mark. Okay. Um, but selling, I've been selling all, all my life. Like I, I grew up in a family where we had a home business um, or a retail business where we sold um, uh, garden ornaments. So, so, you know, even at the age of 12 and 13 years old, I was, 
you know, selling selling to customers coming out the front of my house. Um, but you know, when I was when I was 16, 17, 18, I was working in hospitality. And for those that are familiar with Melbourne and Ligon Street, I was one of those doormen that you know would go, try and sell you you know, a free bottle of wine and a pizza if you came and ate at our restaurant. So, like, that was – you talk about, like, dealing with rejection and emotion. Yeah, that is, that is – that'll, that'll, uh, that'll harden you up for sure. Brutal. Absolutely <laughs> brutal being told by someone to go get effed because they've just walked the gauntlet and, you know, you're the 12th person to, to offer them a bottle of wine and, and, you know, when all they want to do is get to their car. Um, is, how, good it, how good did it feel when you won them? Oh, dude, like, <laughs> I can tell you some funny stories. Like, I mean, like sometimes like you get cluey, you kind of, you know, not to racially profile people, but you kind of stayed away from some people because yeah, yeah you'd, you'd fill up a table of 12, but they'd order four pizzas and a pasta and, and drink water. You'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> like, you feel like you've closed a massive deal, but they've done nothing. Um, there'd be other times where you'd, you know, you'd, you'd put a table of four down and they'd spend a thousand dollars. So like, you know, you, you, it wasn't generally that how many people you sat down, it would be sometimes just be what they, you know, the individuals. So um, but yeah, it was, it was always good fun. And that's like, I mean, that, that was my, that was my learning of, of psychology. And like, so I knew, knew from a, from a very early age to go for the easy target. So like when I saw, you know, a, a mother and father and a young child walking towards me, I wouldn't talk to the mother and father. I would talk to the kid. Yeah. I would talk to the, to the eight year old little girl, the little boy. And I'd say, Hey, how you going? You know, has mum and dad promised you an ice cream yet? You know, how about, you know, uh, mate, if they if you have dinner here tonight, you know desserts on me. Mom, Dad, you know I want to go here. I want to go here. You know, like, so you just you know that, that that was that was where I learned to sell, right? And and then it kind of just graduated from there to to telecommunications and and then graduated into selling um, you know data networks with with some of Australia's largest data networking and telco providers, and to where I am now, which is selling very complicated and complex IT managed service solutions for clients that are far, far bigger and far larger than the organization I work for. But, you know, we play a very strategic play in the market. There you go. There you go. What, what are some of the, the key lessons you learned? And I'm talking Dom, Dom 10 years ago when he first joined the IT industry and lost sale to Dom yeah. now losing a sale in today's world. What are some of the key lessons that you learned? Understand why you lost. That is absolutely critical. So analyzing and from it. Yeah, learn from it. Failure is okay. Failure is okay. You know, like people fail all the time. Um, and I could probably reference a whole bunch of people and be wrong with the statistics, but, you know, think about how many times, um, you know, Edison and um, Tesla, that how long, how many times they failed before they got to the outcome. Even Einstein and those guys, some of the greatest minds failed far more times than than, than what they, ex- they succeeded. You know, for those of us who's, who've, who've listened to, you know, Michael Jordan's autobiography book. It's, you know, 20 plus hours long, but all it talks about is how much he failed. You know, everyone remembers Jordan hitting the, you know, that, that, you know, last second jump shot to win the game. They, they forget how many times he took the jump shot and missed. Right. And, and he learned from those mistakes and that was how he became the greatest player of all time. And, and, you know, it's, you, you've got to learn from those mistakes and practice, 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 practice. Cold calling sucks. I hate it. Everyone hates it. It sucks, but it's part of the job. Best learning tools out there. It's part of the job. Practice it. Practice it. Practice it. Open it. Lean into it. Hey, Mr. Customer, I'm really, really sorry, but 
you know, I have to do this thing where I've got to, you know, pick up the phone and call people I don't know all the time. And you're what you're the lucky call. You're lucky caller number eleven today. So how's yeah. your day going? You know, you just you've changed the conversation, the dynamic. You've, you haven't even spoken about what you're calling him. You're actually leaning to the how shit it is that you have to do it, and how shit it is that he he or she has to listen to it. But right. you know, it, like you you know, you learn by practicing those and and learning from those mistakes. And you know what? The best thing is, twenty years ago, ten years ago, that customer could have been you sitting in your spot. So they they understand it. They know what you're going through. Yeah, I mean, I, I love getting door knockers. I love getting people that that cold call me. I don't like the ones when they call me from, you know, an, an auto dialer from an IVR or something like yeah, that, yeah. An, outbound, an outbound dialer. That's, that, they're shit. Um, but someone who actually picks up the phone and says, hi, Mr. Garfi, I'm, you know, I'm calling from such and such. I need a minute of your time. I love hearing their pitch because if they, yeah, like, you know, yeah, you give them a chance because you respect it. Um, there are times when I'm busy and I don't have the time to listen to it, but I, I do love hearing 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 those those types of calls. And transversely, like you know, having having strategies to be able, like I said, preparing preparing for the worst possible outcome. What happens if they don't answer the call? I'll email. What happens if they don't respond to the email? I'll follow up on LinkedIn. Okay. What happens if they 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 don't connect with me on LinkedIn? Who do I know that knows them on LinkedIn? Okay. Who do, what what vendors do I know that know them? You know, like there's there's so many ways that you can like you know that you can make that cold call a little bit easier or you know whatever whatever it might be and and it comes from practicing and it comes from learning from those those mistakes that you've had in your past. And going back to what you said at the beginning, plan A to Z, right? Just have have a bunch of different plans and follow through with them. Yeah, and, and if you look at the silver lining and the the, the uh, I look at the silver lining out of the, the dealing with this loss that I've had. It's exactly that. It's it's the learning from the mistake. That is the silver lining. You know, I know that extreme ownership is something that I that I that I have to hold as gospel. And I know that I will not make those same mistakes again. Never again is a customer going to say to me that when you came in for that first presentation, we felt like you were underprepared. Mm-hmm. It will not happen again. That, that's awesome, man. That is amazing. I got one more question because I know I know uh, you got to jump off and then hang with the kids. Yeah, branding, and and I'm I'm very big on branding because again, like we said, the IT industry is very very small. Yeah, if you move one place, they're gonna remember you. How yep. important is branding in what you do? Huge. Go listen to Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. Get your branding sorted out. Your personal branding sorted out. Um, it's one of those things where you have to invest in it, and um, you know you've got a fantastic brand, and your you know your Instagram is great, and your LinkedIn is great, and you know as professionals, LinkedIn is probably our biggest biggest source of branding. Know your market, know what it is that you want to. Like, don't put video out on LinkedIn. There you go. There's some bit of branding involved. Don't put video out on LinkedIn. It's shit. <laughs> I actually learned that the hard way, but you learned from your failures. You learned from your failures. Yeah. So it, it was. There's times where I see people saying, "Hey guys," on LinkedIn. It just drives me absolutely <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like the there's 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 a platform no matter what no matter what. But just make sure you're using those platforms. And I think you know in my space it's sharing really good articles. Um, it for my space it's having a conversation like this. It's about you know sharing my knowledge. You know I've spent um, you know the better part of 27 days of the last two years um, listening to audiobooks. Yeah. Right? Like so part of my branding is is sharing that knowledge with people and it might just be a, an article, it might just be a bit of knowledge, it might just be whatever it might be, but investing in yourself and 
and making sure that from a uh, branding perspective, you've got a you know you're you're deemed as being reputable and you're deemed as being honourable and humble, and that will that will take you a long way. And I guess uh, just on audiobooks, you and I share a lot of audiobooks anyway. So um, thank thank you for that. Now you mentioned extreme ownership. You mentioned Outliers. What's another book that you uh, you'd recommend for listeners? Wow. Okay. Um, it. I mean, look, I, I read a lot of books in on, on a lot of different topics. Um, but if you're looking for if you're looking for some, all right, I tell you what. This the book that I recommended to you that we actually I found out that you were reading purely by something that you said on social media was <laughs> um, um, David Goggins. Um, that he yes. is, Sam, yeah, that Sam book Irving. can't hurt me is incredible. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Listen to it. The the audio book is far better than the book. Yes. Um, listen to that. That is that is an incredible incredible story. Um, anything that's got Jocko Willink, you know, um, yeah. There's the dichotomy of leadership. There's leadership, and then there's there's extreme ownership. Um, and then there's the you know Malcolm Gladwell outliers. Great author. Malcolm Gladwell is a fantastic fantastic resource in terms of autobiographies there's some really really good ones as well um you know i recently just finished um uh listening to um ed snowden's book around permanent record and some some really good you know like i mean look there's a theory that if you can get one gold nugget out of every book that you read and i think i could go through my 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 audible library and i could tell you i wouldn't be able to remember word for word i wouldn't be able to remember every chapter or everything that they said But I'd be able to tell you one thing, or what the theme was out of, that, out of every single book I read, and um, and and for that they're they're all great. Awesome, Dom. Thank you so much, man. This is worth the two-year wait, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, awesome, dude. Man. I appreciate it. Thank you. I look forward to chatting again soon. And um, yeah, man, I, I look forward to coffee next Tuesday starting up again as well. No worries, and I look forward to hearing the feedback from your listeners about uh, what they think. Absolutely. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For more information, visit shivrad.com. Peace. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.